Of course, you want a great home loan, not just a great home loan, but a great home loan experience. It's Friday, 5.30. Your wife asks you some question regarding the, the home loan and something going on with the closing date of the house, and there's a panic mode set in, and you got a call, but you get that recording about the regular business hours being Monday through Friday from... 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern time and so forth. That's not what you get with uh, with the character team. You have direct numbers. You call in these folks. You call once, and Don, what, he was birthing a cow, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, he's birthing a cow, and he answered his phone uh, regarding, uh, you know, a question, in, in you know, loan question. And, uh, um, you know, that that's, that's what you've got, that sort of access, seven days a week until 9 o'clock at night. And it doesn't mean that every time they're going to be able to answer the phone, but you don't have to wait until Monday. It's not phones off uh, until Monday at 9 a.m. And then going through the backlog of calls. And so it may be mid-afternoon before you hear something. You know, if they're at a kid's soccer game or a potluck uh, on a Saturday or Sunday and, and they miss the call, once they realize it, they're going to get back with you. So. It's not just about rates and and uh, um, terms for that great home loan. It's about that entire experience because it's a big deal. I want a great home loan dot com because you do. We've got our Friday Roadshow sponsored by Affordable Towing tomorrow. That is also a hero's breakfast. So come by if you're a veteran, get free breakfast. Thank you. Serenity Honors, Delta Roofing, Air Services, Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, Electrical, and Scramblers for making that possible. Author of the Week, sponsored by ABC Books. Coming up, first, the latest news update. From Color 10 and Fox 49, I'm Jesse Inman. Willard City Alderman Corey Hendrickson resigns from his position the same day he pleads guilty to embezzling nearly $300,000 from his former employer, Prime Trucking. Sam Baird, another alderman, confirmed Hendrickson is no longer on the board of aldermen. He pled guilty in federal court Tuesday to accessing more than 500 accounts with Prime from 2016 until 2021 while serving as the mayor of Willard at that time. Hendrickson faces a maximum sentence of up to 20 years in prison and a $250,000 fine. At least 16 people are reported dead and a manhunt is underway following shootings in Lewiston, Maine. Local law enforcement says a suspect is on the run after reportedly opening fire in at least two locations, including a bowling alley and a restaurant. From Color 10 and Fox 49, I'm Jesse Inman. First alert forecast, sponsored by St. Clair of the Ozarks Home Improvements. From Color 10, Fox 49, meteorologist Tom Schmidt, 70% chance of scattered showers throughout the day, 74 for a high down to 66 tonight with a slight chance of showers, maybe thunderstorms. 70% chance afternoon showers tomorrow, 75 for a high rain Saturday, high near 59. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Springfield's Talk 1041. I am Nick Reed. It's Author of the Week time, sponsored by ABC Books on North Glenstone, always sponsoring our Author of the Week. And today we are talking with Brandon Weikert. He's an educator. He travels the country lecturing leaders in the U.S. military, academia, business communities on current trends in geopolitics and high technology research and development. And 
Timing could not be more perfect. His book, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, and uh, this book, I think it came out in July, if, if I'm, I'm correct on that. If I'm incorrect, you can correct me, but um, I do want to thank you for being here, and I mean, just how things under the past several weeks have, have developed with Iran. Uh, thank you for being with us, and when you did write the book, did you anticipate, I mean, obviously, things at some point heading in a direction similar to this, but it seems to be unfolding relatively quickly. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. Uh, the book actually was originally finished in May of 2021, or June of 2021. Then we had to send it in for edits, and it was sort of a back-and-forth iterative process. And uh, So basically it was delayed. It was originally supposed to come out in October of 2022, then we pushed it back to mm. July of 23. So I had in the first three chapters of the book, first four actually, I predicted there was a third intifada coming. Mm. Um, and I said it was going to come in Biden's first term in office, which here we are. Um, and uh, I outlined who would be the players. And Hamas and Hezbollah were the two big actors on the ground. But behind them, pulling their strings, I said was Iran. And in fact, this was the sort of the basis of my, my book. I was writing a book to try to avoid a third world war. And basically the Biden administration, they're, they're doing everything I said not to do. And they are speeding us toward a third world war in the Middle East over Iran. When I, yeah, I do a show uh, on a daily basis, and a lot of times I'll you know, I talk about here's what I think is going to happen. Sometimes it's national. A lot of times it's local. And people will oftentimes, you know, like, how do you know this stuff? And, and for what I look at and analyze, it's just human behavior, what motivates people. Yes. And it's actually like, relatively simple once you figure that stuff out. When you read a book yes. like The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, and you lay out, it's almost like you had a time machine. And you went in <laughs> and you saw it and you came back and, you're, and you list exactly who's going to be involved, how it's going to play out. And it does, and it seems prophetic. But I, I wonder how much of that is just... I guess I'm going to ask you maybe to compliment or humble yourself, uh, some sort of special insight versus this screaming inner self that says, it's so obvious they're telling us what they're yeah. going to do. Yeah, well, it's a little bit of both. You know, I mean, Iran, the leadership of Iran, like so many of our enemies that we fought going, you know, going back centuries, um, they tell us what they're going to do. They, they, I mean, you know, Hitler wrote Mein Kampf, which yeah. he told us what he was going to do, and nobody believed him. Um, the, the Iranians, since 1979, the Islamic Republic of Iran, the regime, has told us what their plans are, and they've been very open about it. And they're just executing a very carefully laid plan, and we're stupid enough to let them do it. Um, and so for me, you know, somebody else had said to me last week, um, they were calling me a prophet. I go, please stop saying that. I'm, I'm definitely not. I'm an analyst, and I take not only what I know about the region and years of studying it, but also, like you said, human behavior. And once you figure out the fallen nature of humankind, it becomes pretty easy to spot the patterns. And uh, so I wouldn't say it's prophetic. I say it's predictive because I'm using actual data and I'm using actual uh, you know, historical information to kind of plot a trend line. And that's how I view this book is I'm basically plotting a trend line. And I was offering solutions. And, and in fact, I, I was saying this the other day, the book is still very relevant because 
because solutions are actually still applicable today as much as they were six months to a year ago. The solution is America needs to stand very close by its allies in Israel and the Sunni Arab states, particularly Saudi Arabia, and we need to con- complete the coalition building that the president, uh, that President Trump had begun with the Abraham Accords. Get Israel and Saudi Arabia into a security alliance, and together those two governments will basically do the heavy lifting of putting Iran back into its box that we have let it get out of, and we can step back and kind of just back up those, those groups that I'm talking about in containing Iran. But what Biden did as soon as he took power, I mean, he paid lip service to the Abraham Accords. But he actually ended up tearing them down from within, distancing America from the Saudis, distancing us from Israel. And then he invited Iran to the table and basically let the wolf into the hen house. And here we are. When the election turned out the way that it turned out, and of course you have all sorts of discussion and reflection on, well, what does this mean? And uh, the the Biden team were very clear. We're just going to reverse everything that that Trump did. And while we some of us recognized and feared the implications of what that would mean for us and just daily lives, the economy, and so forth, I I remember really thinking, just in terms of humanity, probably the saddest loss is going to be the direction things were headed because of the Abraham Accords with the Middle East. I I grew up like so many others, hearing everyone run for president, talk about peace in the Middle East, it, to where it it just was much like energy independence. I thought, well, it's right. never actually going to happen. Of course, we did see that for a bit under Trump. But then it, it started to happen, and it really was historic, aside from politics and partisanship, just so breathtaking. Oh, my gosh, this is possible. And then knowing ahead of time, which is also what's sad, that it did not matter what sort of turmoil it might plunge the world into, they will undo this. Uh, yes. It's just so hard. And then what's, what do you, what's your analysis as to the motivation of people who clearly, I, I would think, if they're being somewhat objective, recognize, oh, well, this is working. You would think they'd say, let's do more of this, um, even right. if we sort of rename it and try to take credit for it right. and claim it's different. But instead, really genuinely do the opposite. Yeah. Well, I think some of it is um, real just hatred for the previous president. Um, Orange man bad is the mentality I always say that they have. So whatever he did, they're going to do the opposite of, even if it's going to lead to a terrible result, which in this case it has. Um, Another thing is ideological. And in the book, I talk about this going back to Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter courted the Grand Ayatollah. When the revolution was underway against the Shah, who was our best ally in the region, in Iran, um, uh, the Ayatollah was in exile in Paris. And it was Carter who was writing flowery love letters to the Ayatollah saying, if you go back to Tehran, the capital of Iran, I will support you in replacing, I will help you replace the Shah so long as you do our bidding. And, of course, the Ayatollah smiled and said, that's exactly what I'll do. And, of course, as soon as he got into power, he turned on us. Um, But going back to Carter, the reason that the Democrats, Carter, Obama, Biden, they tend to align with the Islamists in the region is because they're under the false impression that the Islamists can be trusted and that they represent the majority will of the people. And the last thing Democrats want to do is go against what they think is the majority will of the people – because they don't want to be seen as colonialists like the Europeans 
or like the Americans under the Republicans were seen in the Middle East. And so they're going to do things that are in complete, you know, in opposition to our interests to try to, you know, curry favor with a group of people like the Islamists who literally want to kill every American they can find and destroy our country and destroy our allies like Israel. And the, the Democrats just never figured out that the, the Islamists, as I say in the book, the mullahs just aren't that into us. We're talking with our author of the week, Brandon Weikert. The book is The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy. We're talking about the ability to recognize uh, what is going to happen based off human behavior. And I, I've always thought that it, you know, when Trump was first running for president, the thing he had that gave him an advantage was what I called street smarts. He, he read people. Yeah. He understood what motivated them, and he used that as opposed to the world of academia, uh, that it's all about books and, and what they see as logic and reason, and essentially, well, the way things should be, uh, despite the reality of the way that it is. And Trump really got railed on uh, as they look for anything he does and says to rail on him. But he, he referenced the fact that Hamas, that, you know, uh, when it comes to these conflicts, so forth, he referred to them as smart. And, of course, that was an opportunity to claim that he was praising them. But recognizing that when you're in a battle with someone, that it is about sizing up and recognizing. And it appears as if when it comes to understanding the motivation of the opposition, Hezbollah operates in a much more intelligent manner than we do. I mean, this administration and this approach with Obama administration, and you go back to Carter, they seem completely ignorant when it comes to understanding the opposition for the purposes of confronting and beating them. Whereas it's, it seems as if almost everything Hezbollah does, it is with an understanding of exactly how it is we and the international community are going to react to it to their advantage. Right. And this is, you know, what, what Trump was saying, though, was he wasn't sure if Hezbollah is going to open a second front. This is where I disagree right. with him. I think that, you know, Hamas struck the way they did when they did three weeks after Netanyahu went to the U.N. and he held up a map. The map was of the new Middle East, as he was calling it, and it was showing how Israel and the Saudis were actually aligning, even though the Biden administration was no longer pushing the Abraham Accords. And three weeks later, this terrorist attack happens by Hamas, which is an Iranian proxy, and they, they attack the most vulnerable population of Israel. And so that forces Israel into a military response against Palestinian Arabs in uh, Gaza. And that, of course, is going to alienate the Saudis. And now the Saudis are saying that the security alliance is on ice. And so this, was the, this is how you know it was Iran. And so what I would say about Hezbollah is they are waiting for 100,000-plus Israeli troops to be totally committed to battle in Gaza, in the south of Israel. And then that's when, when they know those forces are tied down, that's when I think Hezbollah is going to open up with their precision-guided munitions called the Precision Project. And those are the things that are going to do real damage. Those missiles are going to target key infrastructure in Israel. They talked about using um, their ballistic missiles to blow up ammonium nitrate uh, tanks in the Haifa Harbor, which would have the similar effect of a dirty bomb. Um, and so I think they're waiting for Israel to be totally tied down in the south, and they're going to open from the north. And that's going to be the sign that everybody should just accept at that point. Iran is truly orchestrating this because the whole goal is to defeat Israel, weaken Israel, isolate Israel from the rest of the region, put the Saudis and the Sunnis under Iran's thumb. And in turn, that will basically force American power back beyond where they can do damage to Iran. And then Iran can bring in their partners 
the Chinese, the Russians, and the Turks. And that's what's happening right now. That step that Hezbollah is waiting for that you mention here, uh, is that step by the Israelis something that is a necessary step if the decision is to eliminate Hamas? It's just a necessary evil, if you will. Or is there some other path that can also lead to the elimination of Hamas? Well, and this is the this was the genius of the Hamas terror attacks is they knew by doing by targeting the population that they did, killing them in such horrible, gruesome ways. The Israeli government has to respond. I mean, Netanyahu yeah. can't not respond. So he's in a pickle because Netanyahu was already politically under siege for other domestic issues. And so now he has to respond. He's being blamed for intelligence failures, having missed the attack to begin with. Um, so he has to respond politically. He's also got to respond morally. You just can't let that sort of you know violence go unanswered. But the reason, the real reason that Israel has delayed striking, it's not just because they're building up their forces, it's also because they are very aware that if they get too bogged down in Gaza, that's when Hezbollah is going to open up a northern front, and they're not sure if they're going to be able to resist along a multi-front war, especially when the Biden administration is already making it sound like they're pulling back from supporting Mm -hmm. Israel. I mean, you know, Biden says nice things about Israel, and Mm -hmm. he's deployed the carriers to near Israel, but at the end of the day, he's also telling the Israelis, don't you attack too hard. Can you imagine somebody telling that to us after 9-11? It's insane. Our author of the week, Brian uh, Brandon Weikert, the book is The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy. Uh, ultimately, the source of all of this is evil. It is Hamas. It is I- Iran. Obviously, at the same time, they are calculating. They, um, yeah. like most, wait for certain conditions uh, to, to, to make their moves. And I've heard numerous people, uh, including most recently Nicole Wallace and MSNBC, just mentioning how how you know great it is that Trump isn't president because there's so much at stake and so many people need uh, real leadership. And thank goodness with something like this going on, Trump isn't president. Of course, my thought is, well, he was and this didn't happen. That wasn't in a vacuum. Right. And so my question is, while the source of this is, is the evil, how much of the 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 Trump created environment versus the Biden created environment is relevant in the fact that there was stability and peace in the Middle East during Trump and there is this total utter chaos doorsteps of World War Three under Biden. Yeah, well it's 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 completely important who's in power. Um we've often forgotten the great man theory of history, but it's very relevant and no, it hasn't been more relevant than now because th- there was a decisive difference in the Middle East uh, when it came to Trump being in charge of the White House to when Biden is in charge. And it isn't just the Middle East, though. You look at what's going on in Latin America, the, the whole region is shifting mm. to the left. Uh, you look at what's going on in Europe. You know, for all the talk about Trump being a Russian spy or whatever, there was no war with Ukraine. And in fact, Ukraine was stronger. Uh, when when Trump was in power than it is now. And the same thing with China and Taiwan. Even though that Trump was very hard on China, rightly so, China didn't even dare to think about doing anything to Taiwan. They were very respectful. In fact, Trump got a trade deal out of them. Um, And so, you know, the world was a lot better off with Trump than with Biden. And, uh, you know, 
historians, I think, they're going to look back on this period with kind of confusion <laughs> and wonder how we all had it so good, and yet we were all so dumb in thinking that Biden was at all qualified to lead anything, especially the, the sole remaining superpower in the world at a time when, you know, so many countries were challenging the United States. It's just, it's night and day. Historians are going to write, there's going to be many histories in the future written about this bizarre period of time in American and world history. Well, I really thank and appreciate you being with us this morning. In, in the book, I encourage you, folks to to head over to ABC Books and, and grab this. And uh, there is obviously, there's a lot going on and there's a lot of noise and there's oftentimes a lot of oversimplification and they hear players' uh, names and references but aren't really sure how they factor in because it can get glossed over. And this book certainly helps give a, a depth and understanding. And it will, I uh, uh, believe, give people that same sort of prophetic understanding what's going to happen in the future once you understand these things as you lay them out in the book and you realize what the motivation is and you start listening to what it is they say they're going to do and and it helps put it all into focus it's a double-edged sword though because then as a human being you find yourself gravely disappointed in leadership yes. and the fact that they choose to ignore <laughs> such things uh brandon brandon weicker the author of the shadow war iran's quest for supremacy thank you again for being with us Thank you for having me. You bet. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. First alert forecast. Color 10, Fox 49, meteorologist Tom Schmidt. Showers scattered showers throughout the day today. High near 74. Slight chance of showers, thunderstorms overnight down to 66, 70% chance of it tomorrow, 75, much cooler Saturday. Rain throughout the day with a high of 59, Sarah Myers. Thank you. Well, many of you across the Ozarks are experiencing those scattered showers this morning, and uh, hopefully none of you out there are noticing any yellowing on your ceiling or just full-blown leaks or even your gutters not working properly. But if that is you, I want to recommend my friends over at the Pyramid Roofing Company. Now, the reason I recommend them... I use them. I had an amazing experience with them, but they make the roofing process just incredibly simple. They will come out, they will do a free roof inspection for you, and then they will take tons of photos and videos to show you exactly what is going on with your roof, and then they will work through the process with you. Uh, they're not going to try to upsell you if you are in a situation where you need just a simple roof repair. Uh, the Pyramid Roofing Company, they will do that for you, but they will also uh, be honest with you. If it is time to go ahead and get a whole new roof, uh, they're going to let you know. So if that sounds like you. If you are noticing some of those issues this morning, you can find all of the contact information for Josh and the Pyramid Roofing Company under the Sarah's Endorsements tab at ksgf.com. There have been some new revelations regarding the number of confidential sources the FBI was using that were relaying criminal activity behavior of the Bidens. Now, if you were, if you were to guess... Like how many with these are FBI criminal informants, okay? Not outside people, or you know, not even talking to the IRS or uh, with the Treasury Department or somebody who uh, is caught up in legal trouble that is talking to the FBI. These are informants that the FBI have deemed to be reliable enough to utilize for information, okay? Now, if you were if you were to be asked, how many currently do we know of uh, 
within the FBI that had been reporting uh, there's some illegal activity going on here with the Bidens. I would guess most people might say, well, it seems like there's two or three. According to new information from Senator Grassley, over 40 they have uncovered. 40. It's amazing that over 40 uh, confidential sources have managed to find criminal activities on the Bidens given that they have not committed any whatsoever and that there's no connection to Joe Biden whatsoever. How is it that dozens of informants have managed to, during a period of time that goes back to the Obama White House apparently, find something when we're told nothing's there. Isn't that weird? The FBI maintained more than 40 confidential human sources on various criminal matters related to the Biden family, including Joe Biden, dating back to his time as vice president. Now, if the timeline's confusing for you, this means that the FBI, well before Biden was even running for president, knew that the Biden family was acting as a crime family. Their own people within the FBI had been telling them this. The confidential human sources provided criminal information to the FBI relating to Joe Biden, James Biden, and Hunter Biden. Those confidential human sources were managed by multiple FBI field offices across the nation, including the FBI's Seattle field office. Grassley learned that an FBI task force within the Washington field office sought to, and in some cases successfully, shut down reporting and information from those sources by falsely discrediting the information as foreign disinformation. Their corrupt efforts to cover for the criminal behavior of the Biden administration, quote, caused investigative activity to cease. However, despite those efforts by the FBI task force, Grassley said in at least one instance, a confidential human source and its information had been vetted by multiple U.S. attorney's offices, which found no hits to known sources of Russian disinformation. So in other words, again, the actual disinformation campaign was being run by our own government in order to interfere in an election. The revelations were laid out in a letter Grassley wrote to Attorney General Merrick Garland and FBI Director Christopher Wray late Tuesday night, the letter obtained by Fox News Digital. And so he's writing letters to the heads of these crime families, essentially. I mean, because that is what Christopher Wray is operating the FBI as, and that is what Merrick Garland is operating the Department of Justice. They're just different members, different crime family members around the table. But instead of being a warring faction, they all are operating with the same purpose. And that is to control who gets into the White House. That is, And that, of course, we have seen the successful efforts to interfere in presidential elections. Now, look at the landscape as it stands now. 
The Democrats' political opposition, Donald Trump, along with attorneys and others, are facing prison time for what? Interfering in elections, trying to cause an outcome that they say did not exist. And it was because they were challenging the results of the elections, having questions of challenging. Meanwhile, what we know is going on is that you had institutions, and in this case the FBI, that were actively putting the kibosh on information and investigations into Joe Biden's criminal activity because they wanted him to get elected. Who really should be facing prison time here? We know that Anthony Blinken, who of course got that cushy position from Joe Biden once he got elected while working on the Biden campaign, is the one that coordinated the effort to have those current and former at the time agents within the CIA write a a disinformation letter for the purposes of a disinformation campaign because they were afraid that if the American people knew the truth about the Hunter laptop situation, that they might not vote for Joe Biden for president and that Donald Trump could be president. So, uh, you know, for uh, get reelected. And so in an effort to interfere in the election, they conspired in a disinformation campaign. No one has denied any of that. Everyone fully acknowledges it. The FBI, we learn, at least 40, 40 confidential informants within the FBI all across the country, all the way back to his time as vice president, reporting on illegal activities and having it squashed one after another after another. And we all know why. Because they had to make sure that Donald Trump did not get elected president for a second term. That's election interference. And the fact that this administration, oftentimes with the help of these very people, are attempting to put political opposition, that being Donald Trump, in prison for interfering in elections when they were the ones that we all know interfered in the election. And in a meaningful way, in a way that increasingly has been shown to have actually altered the outcome of an election. If anyone deserves to be thrown in prison because of interfering in free and fair elections, it isn't Trump, it's the people who have been trying to put him away. And the reason that I have over time come to recognize that this isn't just a matter of individual corrupt or corrupt individuals, but it is a system of corruption is because it has been exposed and nothing's happening. They are still doing it. They are still, they're still doing it. 
And this is also why, frankly, we really do, absolutely without question, have no right to criticize Putin for rigged elections. We have no right to criticize Venezuela for rigged elections. We have no right to criticize other dictators or banana republics as being corrupt and anti-democratic for interfering in rigging elections because of what's going on in the United States today. You know, it's interesting. Well, we've got to want to uh, take a quick break. And there are a number of different stories explaining why it is that so many of these Fulton County co-defendants keep taking plea agreements. And it's noted that most of them are attorneys. And it's because the government is threatening to uh, obviously not only put them in prison unless they say what they want them to say, but take away their law license. So they and their families will have no means to make an income. In other words, they, they are they are threatening to destroy their lives unless they agree to implicate Trump. And so that's what's happening. This is what this is exactly playbook, playbook, playbook of dictators, of banana republics. These are the sorts of tactics that we used to criticize, not embrace. Springfield's Talk 104.1, I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 104.1. Sarah Myers. Thank you. Well, uh, Christmas is going to be here before you know it, and if you have that person that is a little difficult to shop for, I have an idea for you. And that idea is to take a trip down to Quick Draw Gun in Monette because one of the many things that Brad and his team do down there, they do custom laser engraving and custom coating services. And that would make a great gift, especially if you have kind of a family heirloom firearm. Uh, they can do tons of laser engraving, including putting a name on there or even a family crest. So that's just a little idea for you. And of course, if you are needing to do any type of ammo restock, if you are looking to add to your firearm collection, or maybe you are kind of new to the firearm world and you are wanting to just get started uh, quick draw gun in monet is the place to go for those items as well now you can find all of the contact information for brad and his team under the sarah's endorsements tab at ksgf.com the 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 left in their thirst for power and we, of course, have watched it manifest itself in an effort to take out Trump and to imprison political opposition. But the tentacles go much further than that. And this is in, this is where so many establishment Republicans are so foolish. This isn't just simply about Trump. This is about control. And we are watching attorneys throughout this country be put on notice. If you, if, if Republicans, if there is a Republican that has any concerns regarding elections, election reforms, or potential corruption in elections, and they look to hire an attorney, we will come after you to destroy you. So they are trying to create a country in which you have the right against self-incrimination. But if you don't self-incriminate, then they will destroy you. Uh, You have the right to an attorney, but they will eliminate any attorney's willingness to actually defend you out of fear that they will be next. They, they are crafting this total totalitarian uh, uh, environment in, in which they just are, I mean, they're not stopping, they're continuing. And 
the Washington Examiner had a piece, Why Trump's Fulton County Co-Defendants Keep Taking Plea Agreements. And the piece is articulating that, you know, of, of all of them, only one's not an attorney that have taken plea deals so far. And it's because they're just, at this point, they're doing whatever it is they're told they have to do. Otherwise, their law license, or, or they're threatening to take their law license away. So the Democrats are are creating this environment in which if you offered to defend their political opposition, they will take your law license away. I mean, it's dictatorship. There is a another story uh, that the Federalist has. Democrats want to criminalize Republican election challenges, and it focuses on somebody that most of you probably have never heard of, and that is um, uh, what's the first name here? Uh, John Eastman. And he's a constitutional scholar. Prosecutors representing the state bar of California have been working in state court to strip him of his ability to, to practice law and destroy his livelihood. They announced back in January they were charging Eastman because he gave advice to former President Trump regarding uh, legal challenges to some of the irregularities in the election. So like the exact same thing. This is one of the areas that Horowitz, as a Democrat, has just nonstop tried to get the message out. The things that Trump and his attorneys are being charged with are things that he did as a lead attorney challenging the 20 or 2000 election on behalf of Al Gore. They are criminalizing things that are not criminal. And so here is another example where you have a constitutional scholar who was giving advice to Trump regarding the constitutionality of this aspect and that aspect of the election. And the Democrats are trying to completely strip him of his livelihood as well. There's been an interesting development in this context in Venezuela. You know, it's a dictatorship, so of course the Biden administration, they're like, what can we do to help? And one of the things they did was lift sanctions. So that the dictatorship uh, will get an infusion of cash. You know, we've seen this before, Iran. One of the things that the dictatorship of Venezuela had to agree to was allowing... Um, um, opposition parties to choose candidates for the presidential campaign. So in other words, they said, well, okay, what you have to do then uh, in order to have these sanctions lifted, in order to have free elections, is you have to allow your opposition party to have like a primary or whatever so they can actually pick a candidate. So he's like, okay, no problem. Do you know what he's doing? He's doing the exact same thing now that Democrats are doing to Trump. He has said, oh, we'll allow it. Oh, but by the way, the person that they're picking, uh, they're a danger to our country. And he has vowed to take action to defend the country with laws and the Constitution, not only including potentially jailing the opposition, but attorneys and people who work on the opposition's campaign. So the dictatorship of Venezuela is doing step by step, exactly what it is that the Democrats are doing in this country in order to prevent political opposition from taking over. And to put just a cherry on the cake, this story folds into it uh, perfectly. Democrat-appointed Colorado judge Greenlight's effort to kick Trump off the 2024 ballot. I don't know who's leading who any longer when it comes to the suppression and the attempt to 
criminalize and imprison political opposition because it, you know, it seems as if the dictatorships are now taking cues from the United States of America. Democrats, 2023.